0: What's going on, guys, and welcome back to episode 10 of season five of the 50 plus one football show, your home for all things Premier League and Bundesliga. I'm Billy, and with me is the Bayern Munich to my Harry Kane. It's Lewis.
1: Oh, it's always lovely. Well, Billy has for once not foreshadowed anything uh in that intro. And we will be looking in the Bundesliga, not at Bayern per se, um, although we will get to them, of course, but we will be looking At Dortmund because we did have a little dig at them last episode and well let's just put it this way they kind of proved us wrong but only kind of then we'll also have a look at Union Berlin they have a new manager in town but a lot of experts are looking at it a little skeptically then we will be moving over to the aforementioned Bayern segment but it is more about Thomas Tuchel and his Thomas Müller problem then we will move over to the Premier League where we will be looking at the lower end of the table, Burnley. Vincent Company made some, let's say, interesting remarks about the current state of his club. And we'll also have a look at Luton Town, the only club in London that has less wins than Chelsea, which is saying something. And last but not least, Justin Clivert. He is only the second person to have scored in all of Europe's top five leagues, and we'll be having a little look at what he has done so far in his career. He was such a shooting star at Ajax. Where did it all go wrong? But before we get into all of that, Billy has some important news for us.
0: That's right. Very sadly, yesterday, the footballing world lost Terry Venables at the age of 80. He made over 500 league appearances for the likes of Chelsea, Tottenham Hotspur, Queens Park Rangers, and Crystal Palace. Going on to manage Palace... Queen's Park Rangers before moving to Barcelona, where he got the nickname El Tel, winning a Copa del Rey and a La Liga title. He then went to manage Tottenham Hotspur and won an FA Cup in 1991. He then went on to join the England setup and in 1996 gave the nation a summer that they would never forget with those fantastic goals from Gaza against Scotland and that fantastic four goal haul against the Netherlands. Talk to anyone in the footballing world and i will tell you how much of a people person he was. And our thoughts and prayers at 50 plus one go out to everyone connected with Terry Venables. Well, you said in the intro, let's start with the Bundesliga. And we did have a little bit of a dig at Borussia Dortmund last week. We did say that the game against Gladbach, it could be one where they could bounce back or it could very well be one where they'd go and lose 2-0. They did go 2-0 down.
1: I was about to say because i <laughs> it started off uh beautifully for gladbach and i mean billy you already sent me a text and i'm like well it's all gone very very wrong for dortmund but then they turn it around and manage to win for two obviously donja malen uh sealing it at the very very end of the game with his 4-2 goal after a counter-attack where obviously also Gladbach's whole team including their goalkeeper were all in the Dortmund box and all he had to do was basically put it in an empty net but you guys are not here for the highlights of that game you are here to have our take on what is going well or not so well at Dortmund and you just have to say it's I mean, yes, they won 4-2, but it's not really still the start you want. You know, going down 2-0, it's a lot harder. I mean, you make it a lot harder for yourself as a team. Um, and it's kind of like, wh- why don't you just start and just win 4-0 instead of having to dig yourself out of a hole again?
0: Yeah, it's, it is it is a little bit like that. It could have got a bit worse because they did have a third goal ruled out by VAR. Exactly. Glad back, But the fact that there were, five goals in that first half alone. And it's something we've touched on before that the defense at Glad uh sorry, that the defense at Dortmund isn't fantastic despite spending money on the likes of Nicholas Sula and Nico Schlotterbeck. And I mean you look at the the team, you know, Rami Benzabaini, like I say he's he's a good okay fullback, but like yeah, we well, said, said last
1: yeah. Week, we said last week he he was a lot better at Guthbach and this season he has yet to show, you know, his, his, basically his form from last season. It was... It, that's basically been his performances all season, really. Kind of like, eh, it's it's not
0: bad, but, you know, it's not great. Uh, penny for the thoughts of Niklas Sula, who didn't make it off the substitutes bench. You know, moving to Dortmund to try and kick on his career and get more game time. I'd argue he'd have got more if he'd stayed at Bayern this season.
1: I mean, funnily enough, he was, you know, the season before he left Bayern, he was Bayern's probably best or at least most consistent center back. And, you know, leaving a hole um that Bayern have now plugged with arguably some very, very good center backs, but still um, you know, they're one they're one center back short, in all honesty. And they're probably going to go uh, and have a look at the winter transfer market. Um, you know, there's a very good chance that they bring in Paulina, uh again, or they try to at least get the whole thing, you know, across the finish line this time. Um, they definitely need to get another center back. It's, I don't know. Yeah, it, obviously we're you know we're playing. You, playing the devil's advocate almost and say, you know, what could have been if he had stayed, but um, arguably he probably has an easier atmosphere in and around the club. If he stays at Bayern than at Dortmund where, you know, there's obviously going to be a lot of pressure coming in from um, being, you know, one of those big moves uh, and having the track record that he does, you know, he's a treble winner. Uh, You can't just, you know sweep that under the rug so i don't know it's it's always nice to play what if but i think at this point in time it's not looking like a better roses for niklas julle
0: not a better roses for niklas Sula but let's give dortmund their flowers when they earn them you know they did score four goals in the end oh yeah definitely you know from the likes of sabitzer who i don't know i'd argue hadn't or hasn't really settled properly since leaving Bayern, no. Fulkrug, krug jamie Bino who who is a good player in his own right but i think dortmund want him to sort of be like a Jaden sancho 2.0 oh
1: 100 but i mean you can't knock the fact that this kid uh not only scored a goal but also recorded an assist so he's definitely got some he's definitely got the talent um but yeah i'd say he's a he's a far cry away from what jaden sancho was when he burst on onto the scene
0: at dortmund biggest problem then probably a consistency thing because we've seen they can play exceptionally well particularly home and away against newcastle in the champions league
1: exactly i mean it was it's one of those things where after the newcastle game everyone's like oh yes it's it's all coming coming together again and then You know, you've had the games at Newcastle, but you also have to realize that in the same two weeks, you've also had losses, you know, that catastrophe, more or less, against Bayern at home, uh, 4-0, thumping, and then also losing to Stuttgart. And this season, definitely you can lose to Stuttgart, but not if you're Dortmund, or at least you shouldn't be, given their title aspirations, given where they see themselves as a club.
0: I think right now the realistic end goal for this season is probably Champions League spots. Particularly yeah. with that format change coming, it's going to be important to be in there from the beginning for a club like Dortmund. They don't want to be on the outside looking in.
1: Yeah, exactly.
0: It's it's difficult because obviously they came so close last season. And I don't want to keep, you know, a dead a dead horse with this. But they've got some difficult games coming up as well they've got they've got milan they've got leverkusen stuttgart in the cup then psg you know they'd argue probably augsburg is probably their next winnable match and even
1: augsburg can be one of those teams that are nasty to play against um you know they've taken a lot of points off of bayern in recent in recent years uh if you think about the 3-1 or the 2-1 losses that they recorded um when Bayern were still under uh Nagelsmann um and Augsburg they just played nastily they didn't uh they didn't do anything special but they played to their strengths and ultimately got the 3 points by ex- just doing what they knew how to do and they didn't try and do anything flashy they didn't do you know some tactical mastermind but they just played to their strengths and um you know, if you're saying Augsburg's your most winnable match and they can be nasty, then yeah, you've got some serious heavy hitters coming up. And you can laugh at Bayern all you want if they lose to a third tier club in the cup, but if you only make it one round further because you're then losing to Stuttgart for the second time in the span of a month, I wouldn't say it's a better roses at all. And uh Leverkusen the only time they've dropped points uh is against Bayern.
0: Well, credit where it's due. They are currently top of Group F in the Champions League, clear of PSG by one point, and with two games to go. I think a, a, a draw against Milan is definitely in there, yeah, attainable. Uh, even a win, because Milan aren't playing fantastically, but they won't go out of it by any means i don't think no, no if they if they drop down to the europa league okay that's that's a competition they should be looking at to go very far in i think yeah i mean you, you don't want it to be the case but if you win the europa league it guarantees you a spot in the champions league for the following season plus
1: silverware at the end of the day you... silverware it's yeah.
0: incredibly risky <laughs> to pin all your hopes on winning the europa league but if I'm track frankfurt can do it why can't Borussia dortmund
1: well i mean dortmund even did make it uh as far as the uh or i mean i say as far as but they they found their uh their kryptonite in their former manager at that time um Jurgen klopp i want to say it was a quarter final or the semi final one of the two um and that was when liverpool were just on the up and up You know, Dan Lovren scoring the the 4-3 in that game. But, yeah, I mean, Group F, I think a lot of people said, you know, with Newcastle and PSG, it's a group of death. Uh, If you end up third in that group, it's not completely impossible. And now they're topping the group. So, like you said, credit where credit is due. They've definitely dispatched Newcastle quite well. And PSG, you know, we've all seen it. That free handball that everyone said shouldn't have been one kind of started the downhill spiral in that game. So I'd say against PSG, you can still get something, but it's not easy. It's not an easy five games left.
0: No, definitely not. But we'll let wait and see if they can prove us wrong like they did this week when they beat Gladbach 4-2. But let's move away from Borussia Dortmund and let's move on to Union Berlin, who have not really enjoyed anything this season at all, have they? And last week we spoke about the fact they'd parted ways with Urs Fischer, not sacked, remember, left by mutual consent. Quote, unquote. Quote, unquote. But, you know, if you were asked to leave instead of being sacked, you probably would as well. (laughs) They have a new manager. And after a few days of it being speculated, it could possibly have been Raul. Oh. They've appointed Nenad Bielica, And uh, some pundits in Germany, Lewis, aren't looking at looking at it favourably, let's say.
1: No, I think most notably lothar Mateus uh, voice a lot of scepticism. You know, if a nobody, quote unquote again, is really the best option for Union in their current state, and he's not wrong because, you know, his most notable managing job for uh, Bielica was, I want to say, or I don't know if I'm going to butcher this, but Trabzonspor.
0: Trabzonspor.
1: That there we go. <laughs> that that one uh, in in Turkey. You know the Turkish league isn't league two but at the end of the day it's still not a top five league in Europe if that's your most notable notable job then yeah I mean I think the biggest thing is that uh which is also what Mateo said was that he last played in the Bundesliga with Andy Bremer in the 90s for Kaiserslautern anyone who remembers Andy Bremer he was the goal scorer that turned out to be the winning goal in the final of the world cup 1990 against oh my god fuck's sake
0: come on it's your country it should be while lewis is looking this up listener uh i'm just having a look at his career path and after he left kaiser he went to admira Vaca in Austria, where he scored 12 goals in five appearances.
1: Yeah, but it's Admira
0: Yeah, but 12 in five. That's more than two goals a game. Just over two goals a game.
1: All well and good, but it's still Admira
0: I like to think he scored all 12 in one game. (laughs) And then just went on to have a slump
1: for the next... And then just
0: didn't score for four matches, and then went, nah, I've, I've had enough. But five appearances in two years
1: yeah definitely
0: so how did he score he must have scored all those goals in one burst and then went nah i'm, I'm all right
1: yeah I, I don't know but it it's still like if put it this way if your last if your last experience in the Bundesliga was with andy bremer it's three decades ago
0: did you uh did you find out who you beat in the 1990 well, Yeah, World of course Cup because it
1: sh- i mean because germany and argentina have shared the stage more than once
0: oh of course of course how could any self-respecting german possibly forget that
1: exactly not in all honesty i was about like literally it was just one of those lovely little brain farts where <laughs> it it almost made me say that we played italy in the uh, in the final and then i was just like not a, not a chance it was hosted in italy but it definitely wasn't <laughs> anyways i mean given the fact that germany is playing so badly anyway right now it's not uncommon for everyone to just want to wipe their minds of you know the german national team at the minute
0: yeah there won't be a world cup final on your horizon for a very very long time
1: definitely not definitely not no
0: so another thing to say so obviously he hasn't managed in the bundesliga before which isn't necessarily a bad thing you know not every manager has to have managed in the bundesliga to do well no, no. you know look at shabby alonso who came from youth teams at sociedad so
1: yeah but i think i think it's it's down to the fact that uh you have managers who definitely you know they 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 come up through different systems but Xabi alonso just has that track record of having been one of the greatest midfielders of all time Um, others who maybe haven't had such illustrious playing careers have slowly worked their way up, um, you know, taken moderate steps every time, but this I'd argue go, it's a jump. That's just massive, like going from anywhere in Europe to then one of the top five European leagues to a club that is, you know, not anywhere mid table but they're struggling and you're trying to save this club from relegation. That's a big ask from someone who literally has zero experience in you know in in that general field. Um so I don't know. It'll be interesting to see. I'd love for him to prove us wrong, but well that's It's,
0: it's a, big, a big mountain. It's a big ask. It is a mountain, but you know, like the uh, the great Ollie Gunnar Solskjaer said against PSG. <laughs> Mountains are there to be climbed. Jesus Christ. Don't you dare laugh at Miley. Um and they are only two points away from relegation places. So, you know, they're one point behind Mainz, who are in the playoff place, and two behind Darmstadt. So they've got the players to turn it around. Let's let's give him a chance and let's let's see how he gets on. Definitely, definitely. Now, let's talk. About a manager who, um, he's been given some time. And I'm of the opinion that if he doesn't win anything this year, I think your board will sack him. Thomas Tuchel and his Thomas Muller problem. Because if you don't want him, I'll definitely (laughs) take him. Only if you
1: offer us the 100 mil that you offered what was it five years ago lost a chance it's a club legend man you're never going to get him away for like you know pennies on the dollar I'd like
0: like to remind you we got Bastion Schweinsteiger for next to fuck all
1: we don't talk about that
0: sorry no I I mean nor do we it wasn't a very good move but you know scored an overhead kick against Wigan
1: wait I think it was the only game from Schweinsteiger at United that I that I watched live I mean, there weren't many to watch live anyway, so. No,
0: sat in the torch (laughs) in Wembley. Fantastic.
1: Oh, lovely. (laughs) Anyways, Thomas Müller, five starts in 19 matches. That's, you know, the problem statistic number one right there. He's not really seeing any light at the end of the tunnel, if you want to call it that. But I mean, to think that he was left on the bench against Köln in favor of Chupa Muting, who in an, in his own right, he is a striker, not a number 10. But Chupa Muting was put in as a number 10 behind Kane, ahead of Thomas Müller, whose preferred position is the number 10 slash just the guy who is hanging out behind the striker. Because, you know, we've gone through the positional play of Thomas Müller and it's just he is a one and only player because of the way he interprets the position behind the striker but all that aside if Chupamuting muting is getting in ahead of thomas muller when Muziala is out injured that's saying a lot
0: is it a case of he doesn't fit with how thomas tuchel wants to play I don't
1: know because it's not like Thomas Tuchel is reinventing the wheel at Bayern. He still also plays in the four-two-three-one because everyone knows that Bayern in a four-two-three-one, unless you're Pep Guardiola, you stick with that because that is the you know the tactic that Bayern have always played. They always buy players specific to fit that mold. That's just how you do it. So I don't know. You know, Müller is the longest. Serving player or the longest servant of the club in that squad, and he's already a club legend, even though he hasn't retired. And he's still, when he comes in, he's definitely shown that he can play at the highest level, and even that at age 34. You know, he his contracts are running out at the end of the season. He was he said himself he wants to play it until at least 2025 but i think there are a lot of questions going to be asked because you know he says he wants to play until 2025 but you know the operative word there being play and not freeze your ass off on the bench for 90 minutes and have someone who doesn't even play your position being picked ahead of you for the starting 11.
0: well that's the problem though because if he makes a move to say a premier league side who could afford the wages and
1: it won't, I don't think it'll happen.
0: Okay, just hypothetically though. Yeah. Would it not go a similar way to Bastian Schweinsteig?
1: Exactly, exactly.
0: He wouldn't start. So is he is he not better off I don't know, is he not better off moving somewhere else in the Bundesliga for a season?
1: I don't know. I don't think you're gonna get someone like a club you know, a club legend like that to play it for another team in the Bundesliga, in all honesty. Um that's just my personal opinion obviously I also don't want to see him play in another squad that isn't uh Bayern but you know it's hard to argue you know he's yeah he's only got the one goal this season but he's also recorded four assists and one goal and four assists in you know when you've only started 5 times isn't that bad um I think he's also very very important for the dressing room he's a player who can change the mentality of a squad when a game isn't going ons way for instance so i don't know i think when Thomas tomas especially he, you know he didn't make a single sub he's the first manager since uh louis van Gaal in t- december 2010 to not make a single substitution for a whole match and he said you know he didn't want to disrupt the flow but then in the pre-match presser he had a rant about the schedule, especially for national team players being way over the limit, which he's not wrong, but then you know, he goes into the match and doesn't make a single sub. Kind of a double standard in that sense, when he actually has a very good point about the schedule being overloaded. I don't get it.
0: He does have a point about that. But yeah, that's a, that's a ridiculous thing. And I'd argue 1-0 up against Kern it's not flowing very well, particularly for a team like Bayern Munich. You probably should be looking at that game to win two or three nil.
1: Well, I mean, if you look at the chances that they had, they should have had three nil by halftime.
0: Some, you know, if you're worried about players getting burnt out, make your changes. This is what I don't understand about Thomas Tuchel. That he'll say one thing, do another, and He's, then yeah, almost exactly. wreck on himself and say, yeah, but I didn't want to do this.
1: Well, I mean, do you know what his his official explanation for putting Chubu Muting in instead of Müller is because Chubu Muting trained with Bayern and didn't have a national team call-up. And arguably, Chubu Muting training with the under-23 players is not going to be a higher level of training than what Müller getting at the German national team, no, no matter how shit the German national team is.
0: I was going to say, most of your starting eleven. 11- was on international duty. So who was he training with? The fucking apprentices.
1: Yeah, the under-23s, exactly. So uh...
0: The interesting thing is, his contract is up in the summer. Yeah. Much like Manuel Noyes. Another hypothetical for you, because I don't think this will happen in the slightest, because you've seen, while he's been injured, how hard it is to replace that goalkeeper. But is there a world where various board level tom fuckery ends up in thomas muller and manuel neuer both leaving the club for free in the summer when you could quite comfortably get about 40 million for both as in combined no one's paying ridiculous amounts for them but
1: i don't know I want to say no, but looking at the state of management in that club in the last five years, I wouldn't put it past them. If that happened, I think Bayern fans would riot because you've got one, a club captain and two, the club vice captain, one of them being a club legend who has been there since age five, the other being also a club legend who has helped the team win two trebles and has been... At the club for now Almost 13 years If that happened You would have rocks thrown through the windows at At the training complex Without a shadow of a doubt
0: Well, there you go Will there be rocks thrown through the windows Of the training facility Or will Bayern Fix their issue with Thomas Muller And find a way to integrate him into the team Because his quality, clearly Despite his age, is still there But now let's take a look at the Premier League.
1: And I did say that we would be looking at the bottom half of the table. And I want to start with Burnley because Vincent Kompany, Burnley manager, literally sat there at a press conference and said, I thought the relegation scrap would be harder. My man, you are rock bottom on four points for the whole season. And you're telling me you thought it would have been harder. Your thoughts?
0: Obviously, that's trying to save face. He's not going to sit there and go, "Oh, this is really, really hard, and I, I can't, I can't do this." Because the minute you get, in, the minute you get into that, that's when you get the sack. But it's not going well for Burnley, who no. champions of of the championship last season. Uh, but this year they've conceded 32 goals and scored just 10, which is joint lowest goal scored with Fulham. And only Sheffield United have conceded more. They've conceded two more. But last year, they scored 87 goals and conceded 35. So they've conceded three less than they did in the entirety of last season. Jesus. And it's not even Christmas yet. You know, their top scorer is Lyle Foster with three. And look,
1: even Nicholas Jackson has scored more goals, you know, in the span of two games, and he's missed. I think I think the exact number I said last uh episode was 14,997.
0: Um we'll we'll talk about Luton in a second. But you could say exactly the same thing that I'm gonna say now about Burnley, about Sheffield United. Uh and I spoke to someone who deals a lot with championship and that's their their thing and I, I asked them yeah. what the what the reason was and we basically came to the conclusion that Luton have changed the way they played from last season and it's slowly starting to click which we'll talk about in a moment yeah but Burnley and Sheffield United are, are trying to stick to the way they played last season and it just isn't working
1: I mean it's it's pretty clear wouldn't you say when you are top of the table in the championship obviously you're going to have to take the game to the opposition unless you're playing you know a player uh, sorry a a team from the from the top four or five if you keep going on like that and thinking I'm going to take the game to even an Everton or a Man City you're going to get hit because it's just I think a lot of people underestimate what the difference in playing level is between the Championship and the Premier League. No,
0: it's a massive golf in, in class, but you see the teams that come up and, and do exceptionally well. Look at Brentford, yeah, I mean, they yeah. came up, they did fantastically well, they're still here now and they're improving every season. Sheffield United, the first time, yeah with those weird inverted centre-backs that are now commonplace, but no one knew how to play against them when they first came up. So it does happen. It can happen. Teams can come up and absolutely blitz it. You know, good yeah. management, good good structure. But the, the point I have is that Vincent Kompany, clearly a very talented manager. You just have to look at the numbers they put up in the championship last season. 101 points from 46 games is fantastic.
1: Yeah, yeah. They only
0: lost three times. But he looks out of his depth in this game, in the in the Premier League. And it's another one. It's similar to the Steven Gerrard thing, but slightly different because it was, oh, you know, Vincent Company's doing really well. Burnley's going to do really well next season within the Premier League. And then he's going to be the Man City manager when Pep leaves, yeah. which <laughs> was similar to the, when Klopp leaves, we're going to get Steven Gerrard, who's exactly. just won the league with Rangers. <laughs> But my, my question to you is, they've got these American owners, obviously yeah. partly bankrolled by JJ Watt. How long do they give it? Because having a, a club in the Premier League is such a prestigious thing. It makes a lot of money. But if they're going to go down, then it's, it's not going to make them any money.
1: No, it won't. But I think... Uh... They're going to come, I wouldn't say to blows, but they're gonna clash with the fact that you know, like Todd Boley, for instance, he wants to see results ASAP, but they're going to hopefully have done the research a little bit more and seen just how different the sport is. And I would almost say that Vincent Company has proven, especially last season, that he is a good manager and that if you give him the time maybe he can make something out of it now the thing is if he can't pull it around do you stick with him even if they go back down to the championship i'd almost say you stick with him no matter what and if you know you can't or you you can't get any longevity out of the whole thing and you know you're not seeing burnley stay up at least once or go right back up to the premier league then maybe you think about it but i think company has shown so much already that he deserves to be given at least a little bit of slack
0: so you think that that previous season where they won the championship were fantastic you think that's got him he's got some some get out of jail free cards basically
1: i mean i'd hope so but at the end of the day this is still the football industry where we both know how quickly things can go. I mean, if they really will give him that time, I don't know. It depends on how well the owners work. If you were talking about a Todd Bowley-like situation where they basically just throw money at it and say this should work, then he's not going to last the season. But I'd hope that maybe they've done their research a little bit better than Todd Bowley has.
0: Because they're they're currently... Rock bottom of the Premier League, yeah, on goal difference. Everton only down there because of that points deduction. They've got four points. They're yeah. five points away from getting out of the relegation places.
1: That's already a massive gap for the fact that it's not even Christmas yet.
0: And I don't see where they get two wins from. Yeah, okay, they they beat Luton, but you only play them one more time.
1: And you know they've. They will have had that circled as that is a must-win game for us because that is a team where we know that we are definitely on par with them in terms of playing ability.
0: Well, there is a massive relegation six-pointer uh, this coming weekend. We, we will discuss the result next week because uh, we've discussed Burnley this week. Burnley at home to Sheffield United, they have to win wow. that game. They oh, have yeah. have to win that game. If they can't beat a team who are struggling themselves...
1: Yeah. And yeah. I
0: think that's probably them dead and buried, I think.
1: Yeah, probably. I I wouldn't be able to see them coming out of that in all honesty, which is which is a it's a shame, because if you think about it, it's a. Um, you know, it would turn them into a yo-yo club, in all honesty. If they aren't already.
0: And I don't want to be rude, but I don't like that in the premier league i don't want a club to go down come back up go down come back up it's why i'm glad norwich have been gone for so long yeah yeah you know okay yeah leicester are currently top of the championship but leicester are a good side it was just horrendous management last season and i'd argue they haven't
1: they they never really came back from uh when you know they had the the tragic death of their owner it kind of started spiraling out of control from there on out
0: yeah yeah and all that stuff with i mean the fact they're basically owned you know king power is basically like a duty-free type yeah thing. and global pandemic no one can buy duty-free they lose a lot of money yeah yeah suddenly the sugar daddy has no sugar left exactly. so let's see next week what happens with bernie we'll discuss that we'll make a point to discuss that game but let's talk about another promoted side who it's It's not fantastic, but it's slowly starting to click. Let's talk about Luton Town.
1: Yeah, and you know, we've we've said it in the last couple of weeks. Uh yeah, they had a start that was pretty rough, but they only just lost to both United and Spurs. So that's you know, narrowly losing to two of the top six. Arguably Spurs, they're on the downward spiral themselves. Um, And United haven't had the best time of it. But United have also had probably the best form in recent history, at least, which shows that they're a good side. And, you know, I know it's harsh to be talking about, yeah, um, they only just lost because just losing is still a loss. But I think it's in comparison to the way they started the, uh, the season it definitely looks a lot better for them. And, you know, they they managed a one-all draw with Liverpool, 2-2 with Forrest. They've beaten Everton at Goodison. Which, yeah, I know Everton are also not a top-six side, but it's still an established Premier League side. I think Luton Town probably have a better chance of Burnley than Burnley, or maybe even Sheffield, of staying up or just managing you know, by the skin of their teeth to stay up. At least, I don't know. Maybe United fan might see that a little bit differently.
0: No, I I think you're, you're probably, probably right with that. But like I said, they've changed the way they played and I'd love to talk to a a Luton fan about that because I don't think they'd mind because it's Luton. They're in the Premier League for the, the first time ever. It's, you know, something they've never experienced before. So, just to have that, to have those teams coming to Kenilworth Road is almost like a victory in itself for that club. Oh,
1: exactly. They've I got mean, the new stadium on the way.
0: Yeah, they've got the new stadium on the way. So, to get a Premier League win at Kenilworth Road, those people will remember that. That's part of history. Yeah. Yeah. And you know some clubs that have been in the Premier League so long or that that never get up there are never going to have that. you know you're never going to meet someone now who was like oh you know i was i was there at at the first ever premier League win for or the first ever top flight win for for x y and z obviously there are people that were around in the early nineties, but <laughs> It's it's less of an achievement for the ever presence in the Premier League, if you get what I mean. So it's it's yeah, less yeah. of a, an impressive thing to say. Oh, I was there for United, Chelsea, Arsenal. You know their first win in the Premier League. Like, so, well, of course you fucking were. It was like they're expected to win games in the Premier League. But well, it's 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 not clean at times. It's almost like a pit bull type tenacity that they've got about them, particularly in that game against liverpool at some points but in parts they looked fantastic and outplayed liverpool do
1: you think that you know this slow almost rising to the occasion so to speak for luton will it be enough to stay in the premier league
0: i don't know i don't think they'll be down before christmas if if that's if i can use that i think
1: like burnley you know like we said
0: yeah unfortunately unfortunately so but okay it's okay rising to the occasion and drawing one or with liverpool but yeah there's only so many times you can get away with that yeah, you know on, yeah. on another day if if the wind or the weather is ever so slightly different darwin nunez puts that chance away oh yeah, yeah you know or <laughs> You know they say they only just lost to United, but the amount of chances United had, you know, Rasmus Hoyland could have scored two, Rashford could have scored two. Right? Garnacho missed a, a relative sitter. So there's all these things that yeah they look good at the moment because it's oh you know they lost one nil away at Old Trafford and they had the chances to they had shots on goal to to try and score. But I like what Rob Je- Rob I like what Rob Edwards is doing.
1: Yeah, yeah.
0: And even if they if they slip back down there, I mean, they're only out of there at the moment because of the points deduction. Yeah, exactly. But they yeah. are five points ahead of bottom place, four points ahead of Sheffield United. So they've got that little bit of insurance to lose a game.
1: Well, I mean, it's still not a whole lot, if we're being honest.
0: It's not. But they've got some good Premier League level players in there. Yeah, yeah Andros yeah. Townsend's joined on a on a short time they've got tim Krull in there as well ross barkley is in there you know the likes of ted and mengi and taith chong who were both at manchester united in the youth team
1: yeah yeah
0: you know chong's got some premier league games and, and under his belt but they both have that top level academy i don't want to call it ego but but they'll know what it what it's like to be at the top.
1: Yeah. Yeah.
0: You know, Ross Barkley playing for Chelsea and winning with Chelsea.
1: Yeah.
0: Showing his quality for Luton again as well, because he played a fantastic pass out uh in the build-up to one of their goals against Crystal Palace. So there are positives to take for Luton, and it's not all, you know, doom and gloom, like everyone was was expecting. Oh, they'll they'll come up, they'll get rolled over by everyone, and and they'll go oh back yeah. down.
1: Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, seeing as you were talking about the attitudes of some of the youth players, we did say we would have a look at the career of one player who already had a very famous father, and everyone was saying he could follow in his footsteps, and that's Justin Kluivert. Now, in 2017, if someone had told you that Clavert's biggest achievement by 2023 would be that he's scored in all of the top five leagues in Europe. Would that have shocked you?
0: Um, The thing is, it depends on who he's played for. That's the thing, and how long he's stuck around for. Because when you look at it, it's not as impressive because there's reasons why he's moved on from Roma leipzig nice valencia and now to bournemouth
1: all of those aren't really heavy hitters maybe with the exception of leipzig in you know recent years but even roma i would say have now struggled and are still struggling um under Mourinho to a certain extent nice they always end up every couple of years managing to hit you know, top four, top three, maybe even have, um, you know, a couple of group stage matches in the Champions League. And then they, you know, they're back in the French League, you know, having some rough times with it. Valencia as well, you know, basically a Spanish club that is still chasing after its former glory of the early 2000s. And now Bournemouth, you know, Bournemouth are one of those clubs where you're saying in the Premier League, they're a solid mid-table team at best. And he's not really even, you know, by any margin, a top player at Bournemouth. He's not one of the guys where everyone's saying like, oh, wow, he is getting on the team sheet every week. He is by far their best player. He's a difference maker. That's still not where he's at. And now he's creeping up on, you know, mid-20s. He's definitely too old to be called a talent anymore. So, you know, what went wrong?
0: Well, before we talk about that, he is only the second player in the 21st century to score a goal in each of the top five leagues. Uh, And I'll give you until the end to try and work it out and give the listeners a bit of time to try and work it out as well. Because when you hear it, I think you'll go, oh, yeah, of course. But in isolation, it's quite a difficult thing. And uh, once I'll get, we'll we'll talk a bit more about Justin Clover and then I'll give away one of the clubs that this other player has played for. Okay so like i said there was all this hype around him i i remember oh, it, it sounds really sad but i was flicking through my saved videos on instagram because you know being <laughs> yeah. single is is just the best and uh <laughs> oh, oh christ and uh we've taken down a, we've taken a turn <laughs> but i got i got really far down
1: because yeah. it was
0: just a, a a fantastic evening oh lovely and uh there was a a video of he called a hat-trick for Ajax against RKC Valvike and all three goals were fantastic so clearly the talent is there yeah yeah. I remember watching the 2017 Europa League final United against Ajax yeah and there was all this hype about this young kid it was Patrick Clivert's son He's fantastic. He's going to be a star. Um, Jose Mourinho went and spoke to him afterwards. And all the the uh, conspiracy theorists and uh, <laughs> amateur lip readers on Twitter were looking at the video. And it's like, hmm, he's saying to Justin Cliver, I want you at Manchester United. We're going to get Justin Cliver. And then the drop-off since. Yeah. You know, he struggled at Leipzig. He struggled really at Roma. Did okay at Nice. Struggled at Valencia, and he's. I think Bournemouth is a good team for him, especially under the under this manager, Iriola.
1: Yeah, yeah.
0: But he just needs to switch on. I mean, you, you could look at you could look at another player that played for Ajax, Noah Lang. Yeah, fantastically talented player, but with the, an attitude that you could smell from sixty miles away.
1: Well I was just about to say because you know I I said it was also an attitude problem but I think you know there was one distinct quote that I uh remember being spoken about Flavord and why he really hasn't surfaced and I think a more succinct explanation you're definitely you're not going to find one in for the trajectory that his career has taken
0: Sorry, say that again.
1: I don't I don't think you would find a more succinct explanation for the trajectory that his career has taken, no? I think you have the quote on hand, if I remember correctly.
0: But I do have the quote from Breaking the Lines, written by Mark Geshwind. Uh, Justin Clive truly has the potential to become a world-class talent. His technique borders on ridiculous for an 18-year-old, and he has the proper mentality to handle any challenge he may face. If he can improve on a couple of things, if Ajax manage him well, if he isn't given too much responsibility and is allowed to develop at his own pace, then Ajax will have another Cliver who could go on to dominate Europe.
1: Pretty high praise for an eighteen-year-old, and now you know he's mid twenties. I think I think it says it all, really. Uh,
0: b- well, before we talk about trusting Cliver and his attitude, uh, one of the teams that this other player has played for was manchester city so i'll let the call really does
1: not help
0: it okay i think 20s the the 2016 to 2018 era of manchester city when they signed some pretty bizarre players in the post mancini era (laughs) um but yeah so okay when paulo fonseca was the manager of roma yeah he spoke about the fact that he dropped justin clover because of an attitude problem and justin clover said in an interview that he had this this almost pathway set out in his own mind he was yeah. going to leave ajax because well, they basically tried to sell him to tottenham without him knowing about it it's you know the, the mean, whole thing it's very messy
1: yeah i was going to say that's that's understandable from a player player standpoint anyway
0: but he was going to go to either Madrid or Barca in his head. He was going to be a star basically. And I think he's seen the other side of it now. Oh yeah. Where you can have this, this pathway in these dreams. Fine. Shoot for the stars kid. <laughs> <laughs> but the reality of football is you can make it as a professional, but so few players will make it to a club like Real Madrid or Barcelona. Oh yeah, I mean, okay, yeah. Housley is currently playing up front for Real Madrid, but I, you know, my hands are tied behind my back with this one. I'm talking players like Jude Bellingham.
1: I mean, players like Jude Bellingham—that's a generational talent in and of his, in his own right, so to speak. Completely ignoring the fact that he is now become the top goal scorer in his first—I want to say was 13 games. No, 15, first 15 games for Real Madrid and he scored even more goals than Cristiano Ronaldo did in his first 15 games for Real Madrid, which is yeah. stupid.
0: Yeah, Ronaldo and Di Stefano both had... Uh,
1: 13, yeah.
0: 13, Jude's got 14.
1: That Those are stupid stats. And I mean, he's leading the La Liga goal score record and he's a midfielder.
0: Crazy. But one one last thing on Justin Clivert. Yeah. Let's finish on a positive. Here, he's clearly still very <laughs> talented. This isn't. I don't want this to come across as we're we're mo- we're knocking him for for anything because people can change an attitude thing. I think he probably has had to have a reality check. Yeah. I don't think in his when he was at Ajax and when he had this pathway in his head, I don't think he ever saw himself playing at the Vitality Stadium for Bournemouth.
1: Oh, God, no. I, I don't think anyone had that in their minds when they saw that kid play. Because as an 18-year-old, he was ridiculous. But now the problem is that he's slowly, you know, like I said, he's creeping up on the mid-20s. Um, and it's it's one of those things where you're saying he probably should be making some sort of step up now. You know, he's not a young kid anymore at 19 or 20. He is slowly moving towards his prime.
0: Well that's the thing. If he knuckles down and he does well at Bournemouth there is a a bigger move in, in his future. He can somewhat redirect that that pathway that he's had. I don't think he'll ever get to Real Madrid or Barcelona. But no. there's definitely a let's say a bigger club that he could play for in the future. We've seen it happen before. Players can get their careers back on track.
1: Yeah, yeah.
0: So I hope he does well for Bournemouth because I I really do like him as a player. When he's in full flow, he is fantastic.
1: Oh, definitely.
0: But on that note, I think that's probably a good place to leave it for this week.
1: And as always, don't forget to like, share, and subscribe to 50 Plus One Sports on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. And make sure to check out the 50 Plus One Football Show on Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Amazon Podcasts, and Spotify. But as always,
0: thank you very much for listening, guys.
1: Keep calm and love the beautiful game.